Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. And we are here vibing with you because you are vibing with us. Brandon, how are you doing? LJ, I'm doing pretty good. The trade deadline has officially come and gone. Uh, the last two days have been absolutely insane to be a baseball fan. Um, and we have so much to talk about. This is going to be part one of our three-part trade deadline recap. We're going to take it um, east, central, and west. And actually, LJ, if you don't mind me, um, I just saw some very, very unfortunate news come on the ESPN bottom line. Um, the Dodgers broadcasting legend Vince Scully has oh. passed away at 94. Oh. oh, that is very, very sad and unfortunate. Dodgers posted six minutes ago, he was the voice of the Dodgers and so much more. He was their conscience, their poet laureate capturing their beauty and chronicling their glory from Jackie Robinson to Sandy Koufax, Kirk Gibson to Clayton Kershaw. Vince Scully was the heartbeat of the Dodgers and in so many ways, the heartbeat of all of Los Angeles. Vin passed away at the age of 94 on August 2nd, 2022. We have lost an icon, said 
Dodgers president and CEO, Stan Kasten. The Dodgers' Vin Scully was one of the greatest voices in all of sports. He was a giant of all... He was a giant of a man, not only as a broadcaster, but as a humanitarian. He loved people. He loved life. He loved baseball and the Dodgers, and he loved his family. His voice will always be heard and etched in all of our minds forever. I know he was looking forward to joining the love of his life, Sandy. Our thoughts and prayers go to his family during this very difficult time. Vin will be truly missed. Extremely sad. Um, as someone who has done sports broadcasting or at least wanted to go into sports broadcasting from a young age. Ben Scully was certainly a huge inspiration to me. Um, I can say without a doubt, he is the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time. His longevity will never be topped by anybody. And um, wow, it's really been a rough few years for the Dodgers. It was Tommy Lasorda last year that was about a year and a half ago and now vin scully um this is this is really tough um absolute legend thoughts and prayers with vin scully's family um but he will be greatly greatly missed uh and i think that that is such an understatement to even say that yeah this is again a blow unexpected blow um not what I was expecting to start the show with, that's for sure. No. And here I was getting all excited about us being able to go geographically. Well, LJ, let's lighten the mood and we can go geographically. We're doing three parts to our trade deadline show, East, Central, and West. Both leagues are fair game for the three parts. Um, we're going to start with the East just because there was a lot of trades um just a lot of i don't even know just there was there was a lot of guys on the move today let's start um i didn't really put these in any particular order i just made this list tonight Whit merrifield to the blue sure. jay um look it's Whit merrifield uh with Okay, Whit Merrifield to the Blue Jays, Max Castillo and Samad Taylor going to Kansas City. Um, and this ends the Whit Merrifield Kansas City Royals um, career, which was excellent. You know, a guy that um, has been super productive with them for his entire career. And while his production has fallen a little, over the last two years, he's still very productive um, in a bunch of different facets of the game. And uh, I think this is a guy that the Blue Jays could certainly use his skill set um, in some way, for sure. Yeah, well, from a starting from a Blue Jays standpoint, they they could have used a second baseman. You know, we were kind of we were applauding them for being able to find guys that would work there that weren't named uh, Kevin Biggio and particularly um, Santiago Espinal having a really, really good year for them. It hasn't been a great year. As mediocre as Whit Merrifield's been lately, he is an upgrade on Santiago Espinal. He's also a name which gets everybody excited. You can get your own team a little bit fired up and moving towards the deadline and that's really important, especially when 
that's the only deal of consequence that the Blue Jays are really able to make at this deadline, except for um, a couple moves in the bullpen, which we'll talk about later, but nothing. They weren't able to go out and get a impact, another impact star other than Whit Merrifield. So that at least gives them that little spark, hopefully, as they push towards a playoff run here. Yeah, this wasn't a team that I expected to be really big buyers at the deadline because we've seen because we saw all the moves that they made in the offseason. Um, and then, you know, going out and getting Matt Chapman closer to the season was also kind of a surprise move. So I like the Whit Merrifield move. I think that, um, you know, he's a, a lot of people have been hating on him this year for how bad his play has been. And yes, it's been poor, but um i think that he could figure it out with toronto now lj the the most important thing he is not vaccinated um right now and he said that he was open to receiving the vaccine to be able to contribute to a playoff contender um i'd have to i'd have to imagine that Toronto is a hundred percent confident that this guy's going to get vaccinated or else there's no reason that you trade two prospects for him. I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd have to have that assurance kind of, you have to have that assurance made. Um, I don't know why he would make that assurance because it doesn't follow his criteria. I mean, if you're looking for a playoff contender, you're not looking in Toronto right now. Um, oh, all right. Well, LJ, let's I do have actually, sorry, one more thing on this trade because we haven't talked at all about the Royals perspective, because I don't really care what prospects you got from this. You made a poor choice. Well, they you should know, have traded him three years ago when they, we actually had a little bit of value. Well, he had more than a little bit of value. 33 year old Whit Merrifield is, if he isn't the first captain, he's the second captain of your locker room. And all of a sudden you've now shipped out again, very similar to what the Red Sox are doing shipped out two of your biggest leaders in that on that team, a team that's getting younger, a team that's building towards something here in Kansas City, you go and ship off, dump off your best leadership pieces. Where does that where does that leave you down the line? Like how are you going to look going forward? What kind of precedent does this set for the rest of your franchise that you're you're dumping these guys? You add that into exactly what you're saying, which is reasonably the Whitford Merrifield trade rumors have been going on for like four years now. So at that time he would have get gotten you major, major stuff. I mean, this is a guy who peaked at like four and a half war. This isn't an MVP caliber guy, but he, because of the skill set and the raw physical talent, the speed, that's not something you get everywhere. You're going to get a little more for a guy like that. And that's exactly what they could have gotten. They could have, I still think, gotten quite a good haul last year and that's a year where yes he plays the complete season for the third straight year but 93 ops plus uh 2.4 war over the season that's a uh solid almost one war drop i believe i'm looking at the wrong spot no it was about i'm sorry it was about par with last with his last uh full year but either way my point being, he still had a ton of value last year. You still refused to trade him. You still didn't get that right deal. All of a sudden, he, his value is at its all-time lowest. 
and now is when you decide to deal. You look like an absolute idiot for not moving on from this guy three years ago if you were going to move on from him at all. If I'm the Royals, I look at the fact, I look at everything he brings to the clubhouse, everything he brings off the field, and I look at the fact that this decision to keep him has already gone poorly enough, and I kind of have to do just hold on to my pride and keep the guy. Like once you're once his value has gotten this low, you're, there's really no going back from that. I feel like they should have just bit the bullet and kept him on. Well, the other trade that the Blue Jays make, they go out and acquire Anthony Bass um, from the Marlins. Let me pull up who they had to give up. They get both Zach Pop and Anthony Bass from the Marlins, who will get Jordan Groshans in return, a shortstop prospect uh, for... Toronto, who, you know, I recognize the name because in MLB The Show, uh, last year's game, he had a pretty nasty uh, future stars prospect card, 95 overall, I want to say something like that, LJ, not bad at all. No, not bad at all. But this is Anthony Bass's second stint with Toronto. Um, He pitched with them in 2020. you know, he's he's not bad. Uh, he's been really, really good this year. But this is a guy who's a reliever with a big sample size. And we know gen- generally what, what he's going to bring to the table. And that's a solid right-handed pitcher out of the bullpen. Zach Pop, um, who is much younger, only 25 years old, um, this is a guy who went to the Orioles in the Manny Machado trade, ended up getting picked in the Rule 5 draft in 2020, then traded to the Marlins. And this guy is a ground ball specialist, 57% ground ball rate um, and a nice 20% strikeout rate to 9.8% walk rate. He's bounced between AAA and the big leagues this year. Um, but in his time in the majors, about 20 innings, he's pitched well. And I don't have any problem with Toronto making this deal either, adding more depth to the bullpen because uh, every team could use a few extra arms out of the bullpen. And when you have a guy like Zach Pop with five years of, I believe, five, yeah, five years of team control, um, similar to what the Yankees did, getting uh, Scott Efros. Yeah, I'm really, I'd like to touch real quick on um, Anthony Bass again, because this is one of those guys that I think his track record goes and proves against the stuff we talk about on the reliever with relievers all the time, which is the fact that changing locations, moving teams, starting your ERA all over again as well it really cripples a lot of pitchers. Like you're you're rolling the dice every single time you move locations when you're a reliever. This guy, however, has the track record to prove that that's not an issue that Toronto necessarily has to worry about. Since 2019, he is now on his fourth different team. 
going goes Seattle. Oh, really? Since twenty eighteen. Um, right. Since no, twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Okay. Twenty seventeen. Really? Fifteen. Fourteen. Yeah. All right. So you know what? Um, anyway, let's start from twenty seventeen. Isn't his best year, but twenty eighteen. All of a sudden, two nine three ERA in fifteen innings with Chicago. From there, he goes to Seattle the next year, Toronto the year after that, and then Miami these last two seasons before going back to Toronto. In all of those seasons mentioned, he has had at minimum a 3.82 ERA, which is good, really good for a reliever, especially a guy who you're not necessarily looking to give you like eighth inning. You're going to be very happy with an ERA under four. Yeah. Right? So – um, so this guy is giving you really good numbers time and time again in a million different situations. So you have to feel comfortable trading for a guy who, you know, isn't going to go out there and get blown up when he first steps into the new role. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. And let's hope that these guys can hold up for Toronto this year. It was did they trade for Brad Hand last year? Is that who it was that torpedoed them? Uh, um, that was Ian Kennedy. Oh, no, Brad Hand, yes. Yeah, Toronto Sorry, did I, trade I for Brad Hand. Up. And then, that's right, he, Brad Hand was on three teams last year. Jesus, that's brutal. Um, yeah, but, no, I agree. Um, you know, this is good, good depth to add to your team. And come playoff time, you would certainly hope that these guys step up. Um, but let's keep moving, and we're going to ask – Now that I already kind of mentioned it – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, LJ, feel free. I was going to say, now that I kind of already mentioned it, do we want to move to Philly? Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go. Um, LJ, they make three trades, so let's go over the three guys that they go out and acquire. They get Noah Syndergaard from the Los Angeles Angels, reliever David Robertson from the Cubs – and also outfielder Brandon Marsh from the Los Angeles Angels. And I believe the Cindergard and Marsh trades, th- those were two separate deals yes. um, between the two teams. So in order to get Cindergard, the Phillies gave up Mickey Moniak in Jadiel San- Sanchez. If the name Mickey Moniak sounds familiar, to you, um, especially LJ, this guy was the number one overall pick in the 2016 draft, picked two spots ahead of Ian Anderson. Yeah, this is a guy we talked about a lot when we had uh, our buddy Matt VC from Philly's Bell on. This was the guy who was supposed to be the answer for Philadelphia in center field, was even supposed to be the starter day one if he hadn't gotten hurt and so it kind of goes these two these two trades kind of go hand in hand um of course with the phillies also going out and grabbing brandon marsh away from the angels first by doing that that gave them the flexibility to not have to worry about it because they're going to end up with five years of control on brandon marsh this is brandon marsh who's proven he, he can be a solid major leaguer. Mickey Moniak necessarily hasn't proven that yet. So you have that guarantee with Brandon Marsh. 
now you can go use Mickey Moniac to go fill another need, or not even a need, but a like in bringing in Nova Syndergaard. LJ, I might be as out on Mickey Moniac as you are on um, Joe Adele. Really? Uh, LJ, he's 24 at this point. Three different years in the majors, they've given him some run, and he's done nothing with it. I mean, he's not even drawing walks, really. He's not – I don't know. I mean, you check his stats in the minors, and he's a really good hitter, clearly, in the minors. I mean, I guess I'll get – hopefully a change of scenery helps. I'll say that. But, um, you know, him and Joe Adele are now going to be in the (laughs) – Jesus, can we have the Joe Adele, Mickey Moniac, Mike Trout starting three in the outfield one one game here coming up soon? So uh, starting one? Yeah, that's that's scary. Um, but LJ, how about Noah Syndergaard? You know, where, where do you see, you know, the Phillies, not only do they go get Syndergaard, but they get David Robertson – much needed pitching help. Am I wrong? Yeah, uh, this is the one spot that they've needed for a while. This is my least favorite choice they could have made. Mm. In all honesty, uh, at least my least favorite fit for David Robertson, at least I should say, because yes, he's going to be good there. He's going to be able to be successful in Philly. I feel pretty comfortable saying that or as comfortable as I can with any reliever that he's going to be able to do that. Assuming he's able to put together a fraction of what he's been doing in Chicago, he will have a successful tenure in Philadelphia. And if you remember, by comparison to the rest of their, their closers. In 2019, he did appear very briefly for the Phillies. So has a little experience at least. Yeah. Has, has experience. My issue is, this is a team that's desperately needed a closer. I know you're not keen on paying for closers, going the extra mile to get relief pitching, but Philly shows that if you don't have a top-end guy or at least a guy you can count on, a contending roster is lost for years, and that's basically what they've been. They've found a guy who fits that bill. They've found a guy in David Robertson who can – like be a locked on closer for them, but maybe you have what three years of this guy. I mean, at 37 years old, you don't have a lot of time for him to be in this role. You haven't given yourself a long-term solution. This is really just more a band-aid over a problem that's going to plague them forever. Yeah, no, um, I agree. I'd have to say that David Robertson is you know, I kind of wish that that was one of the guys the Yankees went out and tried to get just because of the history we have with him. But it made sense. He was he's a great he's a great reliever. Noah Syndergaard for where he's going to be in the rotation. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, you're not asking him to be one of your top two pitchers. So I certainly think that uh, that is a solid move. And then Brandon Marsh, another guy with a lot of uh, team control 
young outfielder who has certainly proven himself at least a little bit this year. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, appra- I applaud Dave Dombrowski for going out and getting these guys and not really giving up too much prospect capital as if he had much um, to begin with in the first place. Yeah, this is this is a successful uh, this is a successful season or deadline season. All right, LJ. Briefly, uh, let me know about Eric Hosmer to the Red Sox. Look, you got paid to bring on a guy who's an upgrade at a position you needed, as as a part of a weekend where they went out and filled almost every need that they had without like breaking the bank to actually fill it like they were they managed to both sell and buy to the point where i feel like this roster is probably better rounded even if it doesn't have as high quality of players so they're going to be able to at least stay in this race for another month because of the moves that they made here and they've also again added that prospect capital so as a whole eric cosmer is a part of a bigger picture for the Red Sox that has been a successful trade deadline. And in part three, where we talk about the West, we're going to get into why Eric Hosmer is on the Red Sox and not in Washington. Um, But yet the cash considerations, or sorry, I should go through the deal first. Padres send Eric Hosmer um, to the Red Sox along with Corey Rosie, Rosier and Max Ferguson, as well as cash considerations. The Padres received pitching prospect Jay Groom. Those cash considerations that the Red Sox are getting from San Diego are $44 million. So the Padres will be paying the remainder of Hosmer's contract apart from the league minimum uh, every year. Yeah. LJ, I'm starting to, you know, kind of see what Heim Bloom was doing, at least trying to do here. Um, and the fact that this contract is paid off makes makes a lot of sense for the Red Sox. Um, yeah, it's ultimately look. I don't as much as I don't. I don't agree with the philosophy here of everything they've done. The this letting the entirety of your leadership go away letting the entirety of your star players go away because you're a poverty franchise. However, I will say this shift back to the mentality that he had going into the 2021 season fits this team so much better than acting like this was a World Series contender last year just because of a good run to the ALCS. This is a very talented team that was proven you can't make it that far without being that a talented team however they aren't there yet they need to keep building in this way as far as i'm concerned this is the adam out of you know trade all over again with one slight difference and that is the fact that you have your upcoming future potential franchise first baseman waiting in the wings probably if he doesn't come up late this year will be up early next year in tristan cassius all of a sudden you have given him a great defensive first baseman historically. And at one point also a very good offensive first baseman 
to learn under, watch, and grow around. So this is probably the best mentoring opportunity they could have given him. All right, two more trades to get through, and we'll wrap up this part. Rizel Iglesias uh, goes from the Angels to the Atlanta Braves. This was a buzzer beater. This was like right before the deadline. And the Angels get quite the return here. Uh, it, it is a big contract the Braves are taking on. Four years, 58 mil that got signed right before this season. Uh, and in exchange for Iglesias, the Braves send pitching prospect Tucker Davidson, um, who has made appearances for the club uh, over the course of the last three seasons. And also Jesse Chavez, who the Braves traded for from the Cubs earlier this year. And this is a guy that was previously a part of the Braves uh, and actually won the World Series with them last year. Now he's heading to L.A. Um, Yeah, this Braves bullpen. So they had to get rid of Will Smith to get Jake Odorizzi. And now they're just like, okay, that's fine, LJ. We'll just go get uh, Rizal Iglesias um, in his big contract. So now we just have, you know, Kenley Jansen, Rizal Iglesias, Colin McHugh, AJ Minter. It's not bad. It's a lot of money tied up to relievers for the next. No, that's exactly what you want, though. Let's not act like this isn't the future of the game. Super Bowl pens. Or where the oh, it is, it is, and I mean, it just it it makes too much sense too because, you know, we talk about it. There is less money generally in relievers, even at the top end, than most ever just about any other position. So, if these are your best players, based on them being your best players, you're kind of getting a bargain there, and you also historically aren't signing seven, eight year deals to relievers, right? You're, you're talking maybe three years is the max you're going to go. And so all of a sudden that gives you so much more flexibility with your payroll control of your payroll every single year than you do any other time. That's the beauty of building this way. I think the conversation coming out of this weekend, this week that we need to have going forward is you've now got six guys in this rotation for Atlanta, who's coming out. I mean, it's certainly not as much as he can fill that role and has proven he can pitch out of the bullpen quite well. There's no way you are pulling Spencer Strider from this team at this point. You know, just had just had his best performance of the season, has a 2.91 ERA. He has arguably been their best pitcher this year. He's off limits. The rest of these guys have either exclusively been starters or have been only starters for a very long time. Somebody's going to end up having to go because both they need both. They don't need six pitchers in their starting rotation. They also could use the extra arm in the bullpen. Like this is a very thin in terms of numbers group seven. So yeah, I'm not sure who it's going to be. Is it Ian Anderson? Is it, um, is it even Jake Odorizzi after the trade for him? I don't know, but that's something we have to talk about. 
All right, and then the two players that the Mets get. Sorry, LJ, one of them I didn't put on this list. Little impromptu here. Uh, the Mets go out and get Darren Ruff from the Giants. They give up J.D. Davis in return. And the Mets also trade for right-handed reliever Michael Givens from the Cubs. Uh, Saul Gonzalez heading back to the Cubs in that deal. Um Let's start with Darren Ruff. As I don't really have much for Michael Givens. The Mets could have used another righty reliever, and they get that. Um, not much. They just a reliever in general. Yeah. Darren Ruff for J.D. Davis, though. Um, it's not just J.D. Davis, but it's Thomas Zapuki, who's a lefty pitcher, and Nick Swack and Carson Seymour. So three players the Mets send back. I just feel like Darren Ruff and J.D. Davis are literally like the exact same player. Like if I had to guess, they probably have the same OPS plus, LJ. And I'm going to check right now because if I'm right about this, Darren Ruff has a 98 this year and a career 113. And J.D. Davis has a 96 this year and a career 113. So... It's literally the same player that you that there you sent. There each. is one difference, and it's a pretty major difference, all things considered. We're assuming this guy, you know, he can play a little outfield. He's going to be able to give you time at first. Odds are I'm looking at him as both that swing man as well as some DH work here. The beauty of Darren Ruff is in the splits. Brandon, this season, he is slashing 191, 302, 268 against righties with two home runs and 252, 364, 523 with nine home runs against lefties. That ends up with an OPS plus relative to his total of 151, 146 compared to the league against lefties. That is very, very good. So all of a sudden, you've, you, they've effectively acquired one of the better platoon bats in the league. Yeah. By those numbers. And J.D. Davis was a guy that we always kind of said didn't really have a spot on the Mets roster. And him also having his worst hitting season with the Mets this year so far didn't help his chances that he was going to get – that he wasn't going to get dealt. Um, so that's that. Yep. Elja, anything else about the East? Um, did we want to touch anything on the Yankees yet? Is there anything to touch on? Um, I think we're going to save that for the Central. Okay. Next part. But, yeah, stay tuned for part two. Um, going to end this and literally start recording in two more seconds. So check that out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 